You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. What's up, Golden State Warriors fans? This is Brady Klopfer with the Golden State of Mind podcast. It is Friday morning. January 6th, and I thought we'd just do a quick little podcast here, get you up to speed on everything going on with the Dubs, because right now they're in a little bit of a quiet part of the schedule. Uh, they played Wednesday when they lost that heartbreaking game to the Detroit Pistons, where Clay Thompson made the game tying three with one second left, only for Sadiq Bay to then turn around and hit a wild, crazy, miraculous three-pointer at the buzzer, ended the Warriors' five-game winning streak, um, but... The Warriors now a little quiet for a while. They had Thursday off. They have today off. Saturday they have a game against the Orlando Magic. Uh, then they have Sunday and Monday off before a Tuesday game against the Phoenix Suns. And then they have Wednesday and Thursday off. So a, a lot of games here with not just one day between them, but two two days between them. And that's that's pretty great for a Warriors team that is kind of running on fumes here a little bit. They've had whole bunch of injuries they've had six players out for the last few games um Steph Curry Andrew Wiggins Jonathan Kaminga James Wiseman J Michael Green and of course Andre Iguodala uh and so not only do those days off give them some time to get healthy but also some time for the other players to rest because obviously you know next man up everyone's having to play a little bit more um between those six injuries and the fact that the Warriors have an, an open roster spot, they, they've only had 10 players, which is just not very many. And it's especially not that many when one of those in Ryan Rollins is someone that the Warriors don't trust enough to play right now. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., someone they're only playing in small doses. And then you have things like Monday's game against the Hawks that they won, where it went to double overtime. So, you know, they're... Uh, being run a little bit into the ground here, so having all these off days is a nice thing. So just wanted to catch everyone up on everything going on with the team. Um, We'll start with the injuries. The big news is Steph Curry has revealed his return date, um, or his targeted return date, I should say, because you always need to leave room for setbacks. Um, But the, the team revealed it on Wednesday. Bob Myers, I believe, first mentioned it during a radio appearance, and then Steph Curry talked about it in more depth when he joined Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Azubuki on the uh, broadcast during the Pistons game. And he's going to try to come back Friday, a week from today, Friday, January 13th. Uh, That's when the Warriors hit the road for the first time in quite a long time. Um, They were on a road trip when Curry got injured. They played a few more road games after the injury and have since been on an eight-game homestand since then, and this will be their first road game. It's also the game where the Spurs are going to be playing in a dome with what is expected to be an NBA record 60,000 fans, so you know that Curry really wanted to be back for that game, be a little part of history. Uh, it's going to be pretty special, and obviously the Warriors aren't going to rush him back. His health is more important than any particular game at this point, but 
you know that he was obviously pushing for that game, but it sounds like his recovery is going very smoothly from his shoulder subluxation. And yeah, it looks like we're only going to have to deal with two more games without him. Uh, and then we'll get him back. As for Andrew Wiggins, I think there's a decent chance that he will play in Saturday's game. Um, perhaps more news will come out between me recording this and you listening to it. So apologies if they've already announced one way or another that he won't be playing. But um, Steve Kerr mentioned on Wednesday that Wiggins was back to practicing again. Um, if you missed it, so he there's been there's been a little bit of confusion. So I just want to clarify it. Wiggins missed 10 games with his adductor strain. By far the longest um, absence of his career, I think the most he'd missed was either four or five games in a row in his entire career, not just his Warriors career. He's been an Ironman. So that injury, you know, twice as long as his previous longest injury. So that is impressive. But the games that he's missed since then, I believe it's five games at this point. Yeah, five games he's missed since then have not been due to that injury. They've been due to a non-COVID illness. A very serious non-COVID illness, apparently, because it's knocked him out for like a week and a half. But he was cleared to play in, I believe, the Jazz game. I think that was it, five games ago. He was cleared from an injury standpoint to play in that game, but had fallen ill. So he's been fully cleared medically. It's just a matter of getting healthy enough that he can play. Um, There was originally hope that he was going to play in Monday's game or maybe Wednesday's game, one of those two, but he, no, yeah, Monday's game, there was hope that he was going to play because he had been recovering, but then he got sick again, essentially. Um, So he's been having a rough go of it, but he's he's back to practicing, so I would assume that he will play um, in Saturday's game. Another player who's making progress is Andre Iguodala, which is exciting. Um, Iguodala, Steve Kerr announced on Monday, had scrimmaged with the Warriors G League team, um, if you're wondering why it's with the G League team, NBA teams don't really do serious practices, whereas G League teams do. Um, usually in the NBA, you need three straight off days, which is pretty rare to have like an honest-to-goodness practice. Um, they will have kind of light practices when they have multiple days off in a row. So the Warriors have been, you know, at home. They've been at the facility, but... You're still putting in, it's, it's more individual drills, shooting drills, weight training, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you're usually not going through the um, rigmarole of an actual practice unless you have an extended break in the action. Um, but in the G League, they're playing every day. Uh, so players get sent there to when they need some actual serious practice and scrimmaging time. Um, the Warriors aren't going to be taking risks, injuring players, scrimmaging them on, you know, the day after a game or, or whatnot. Uh, so Wigan, or Iguodala got in that scrimmage. He still hasn't announced a return date or a target time, but um, we're certainly getting a little bit closer. There's another one I want to clarify because people talk about Andre Iguodala a lot, and I just want to clarify the Warriors have every intention of playing Andre Iguodala. This season and in the playoffs, he figures to be a part of the rotation. This is not a Udonis Haslam situation where they are paying him to be an assistant coach wearing a jersey. 
Uh, they intend on playing him. They played him a lot last year. People forget this. He was just injured and didn't play in many games. But when he did play, he averaged 19.5 minutes per game during the regular season in 31 games. Played a big role in the playoffs when he was healthy. Uh, the Warriors have been slow playing him because they know at this stage in his career, he's in his 19th NBA season. He's had a lot of injuries. Uh, he's pretty fragile at this point. Um, they know that there's just no point in playing him in a November or December or early January game and risking injury or risking wearing him down. Uh, when he's ready to play, they will play him and they will rely on him, but their goal is to have him healthy for the end of the season and the postseason. Uh, and then he'll play a role in, in, unless he proves that he's not up for it. But anyone thinking that he's just there to be an assistant coach, no, he's, he's there to play. Um, they are just... They have their eyes on the prize, not on anything before then. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga expected to be out for a few more games, probably. Um, they haven't really put a timetable on it, but it sounds like he'll miss a few more games. Um, I think that's all on the injury front. Not really much to report on James Wiseman. I don't think it's entirely clear how um, healthy he is. Same with J. Michael Green. I'm sure they'll both be back before too terribly long. Um... So let's talk about this homestand the Warriors are on because I think it's been really impressive that they've been able to tread as much water as they have with Steph Curry out. Uh, to this point, they're 10 games into Curry's absence with probably two more games left, and they're 6-4, and four, which means if Curry does return against the Spurs on Friday, at worst, the Warriors will have gone 500, 6-6 six and six, with him out. That's a mega win. If, if I had told you that when he first got injured against the Pacers that they would go 500 while he was out for, you know, three, three and a half weeks, whatever, you would have been pretty stoked. And that's without mentioning the fact that Andrew Wiggins, to this point, has missed all 10 of those games. And that's just the worst-case scenario. Um, there's a pretty good chance that they will win one, if not both, of these two games before Curry returns. They've been good at home in Curry's absence. They've gone 5-1. and one. They have a plus 4.4 garbage time adjusted net rating. And the next two games are, are, are fairly easy. Saturday is against the Magic. The Magic did beat the Warriors earlier this year, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that they're not a particularly good team, um, one of the worst teams in the league, and the Warriors will be at home in this game. you got to like their odds in that one. And then Tuesday's game is against the Phoenix Suns, who are obviously a lot better than the Orlando Magic, but uh, at the moment they're on a four-game losing streak. Um, I think I'm recording this Thursday night. I don't know if they're playing um, on Friday, so... They might no longer be on a four-game losing streak if, if they played last night. Um, but they are 6-14 and 14 on the road. Again, not including if they played a road game Thursday night. And they're without Devin Booker, who has been clearly their best player this year. So um, there's a very good chance that the Warriors win both of these games. Um, if that's the case, then that means that they would have been you know, a crazy Sadiq Bay shot away from putting a donut in the loss column during their eight-game homestand without Steph Curry and mostly without Andrew Wiggins, who, again, I think might return for one, if not both of these final games of the homestand, but missed the first six. That's really, really impressive. Um, a good chance to go seven and five or eight and four with Steph Curry out. That is a win. It is a massive win. Uh, and I think they've developed a lot of good habits along the way with Curry out and with Wiggins out that will put them in a much better position when those players return. And 
put the Warriors in a spot where they can start to really string some wins together and maybe move up the standings a little bit. Finally, we'll turn to something a little lighter. The uh, first returns of the All-Star voting came in on Thursday. Always fun, always silly because you get, you know, all we see is the fan voting at this stage and you have... You have funny things. You know, you see, you see players that fans are hyping up because they're popular. Not as much this year as in most years, to be honest. The fans did pretty well. They're, they're paying attention to, to players who are playing well, which I thought was great. You know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is fourth amongst Western Conference guards. Uh, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Donovan Mitchell is second among Eastern Conference guards ahead of James Harden. There have been, there's been some good stuff here, um, but there are always some silly ones. Russell Westbrook right now is sixth amongst, amongst Western Conference guards. Kyrie Irving is leading the Eastern Conference guards, which is something. Derrick Rose is ninth amongst Eastern Conference guards, despite the fact that Derrick Rose has... I'm just going to check that right now because I feel like Derrick Rose has played like five games this year. Um, but he is—he remains such a popular NBA player, always near the top of these things. I don't know how. Um, all right, well, I was way off. He's played 26 games this year, but he has played 12.9 minutes per game. He's averaging 5.8 points. Top 10 All-Star voting, baby. Um, but you're not here to listen to me rag on the fact that Austin Reeves is one of the 10 most voted for players amongst Western Conference guards. Hooray, Lakers fans. Um, you're here to hear how the Warriors are doing. Um, not surprisingly, Steph Curry leads the Western Conference guards in voting. Also not surprisingly, he is second amongst all Western Conference players in voting. Um, this has kind of been the way it's been for a little while and probably the way it's going to be for a little while. Uh, once, um, they, you know, they made the format switch to fan, I mean, not to fan voting, to, um, drafting players and having, thus having a captain on each side and LeBron James moved to the Lakers and it just ruined Steph's chance of being a captain. Um, so, but he's always runner up, it seems. So LeBron leads all Western conference players with getting close to 3.2 million votes. Curry is a little ways behind that at two point, a little over 2.7 million. 
Um, but look, he's pretty comfortably in second place. So, you know, runner up there. Um, but he's first among guards. And if you want to know who the popular and best guards in the Western Conference are, the fans have made it very clear, and they're very accurate in this case. Steph Curry, a little over 2.7 million votes. Luka Doncic is second, just under 2.4 million votes. Third place, John Morant, 915,000. <laughs> so we go 2.7 million, 2.4 million, 900,000. Uh, Curry and Doncic are on a different level, both with their play and with their popularity. Clay, always a fan favorite, is fifth right now amongst guards in, in West Conference voting. I, uh, I would give my life for Clay Thompson, but Warriors fans uh, lose the right to make fun of other fan bases for voting for their players if Clay is, is fifth on this list. Uh, more than 200,000 votes, or almost exactly 200,000 votes, more than Damian Lillard. More than twice as many votes as Devin Booker. I love Clay, but it's not been that season for him. But, you know, that this is why they have fan voting is, is so fans can have an impact and, and have fun and vote for their favorite players, not just the best players. Uh, Jordan Poole rounds out the top 10 amongst guards. So the Warriors have three players who, have, who, have, um, who are in the top 10 for fan voting amongst guards. They also have three in the front court. Andrew Wiggins is fifth this year. Not going to repeat as a... Uh, as a all-star starter, unless he gets another significant K-pop boost. Uh, he's behind LeBron, who again is nearing 3.2 million. Nikola Jokic is second at over 2.2 million. Anthony Davis is third at over 2 million. Zion Williamson is fourth at over 1.9 million. And then Wiggins is back at fifth with just over 1.1 million. So always behind those top four. Draymond Green is eighth. And love to see the man get his flowers. Kevon Looney is 10th as a reminder for voting um the starters are voted the van the fan vote is 50 percent the players and the media then each have 25 percent of the vote and that's for the starters two guards three front court uh the reserves two guards three front court and two wild cards are voted on by the coaches um voting still done by conference 12 players plus injury reserves from each conference um, and then the players with the most votes in each conference, which is once again looking like it will be LeBron James and Kevin Durant. They then act as captains and pick their teams, and you end up with teams that way rather than West versus East. I doubt that that draft will be as funny this year as it was last year when... Nobody wanted to draft James Harden. <laughs> and uh, hilarious awkwardness ensued right after Harden had forced his way off of Kevin Durant's team and LeBron was not drafting Harden. And yeah, you remember. It was fun. It was, that, that was a, a tremendous TV moment and one that assured that the NBA is going to stick with this format for the All-Star game for a very long time because you get nuggets like that. So that's it, Dub Nation. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Enjoy the game on Tuesday. And let's hope for a Steph Curry return in a week.